Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Is a drive in the right center. That's a base hit. Over to pick it up is Bader sliding. Castellanos going for two. The throw to second. Not in time. Another double. Castellanos with a one-out double. And the Cubs have a man in scoring position with one away. Double number 58 for Nicholas Castellanos. What follows is a complete list of Major League Baseball players to hit at least 58 doubles in a season since the year 1937. You ready? Here's your list. Nicholas Castellanos, Todd Helton. End of list. That's it. That's it. 1931, the record is set by Earl Webb with 67. Joe Ducky Medwick in 1936. I believe he won the uh, Triple Crown in 1936. I believe Joe Ducky Medwick is still the last National Leaguer to win the Triple Crown. It has happened in the American League a couple of times. Um, a few times since then. Uh, Hank Greenberg in 1934. Paul Wehner. I think it's Paul Wehner. It might be Lloyd Wehner. One of the poisons. One of the little poisons or the big poisons. Charlie Geringer in 1936. Tris Speaker in 1923. Chuck Klein in 1930. And then Todd Helton and Nick Castellanos. Yeah, all I had was last names there. So that's why I don't know whether it's Lloyd or Paul off the top of my head. But Nick Castellanos is a doubles machine. Love that dude. Just um, just retweeted something from Kevin Euclid, who um, talks about all these uppercut swingers. And Uke is a guy who does not believe that that's the only way to do it. Here's the quote from Kevin Euclid. I'm not going to directly call some of these coaches out by name, but this focus on dropping the back shoulder and developing major uppercut swings is producing one-dimensional hitters. There are major holes that will get exploited at the higher levels. Hashtag be a well-rounded hitter. You tell him, Uke. Drop by that Cubs clubhouse and mention some of this stuff, would you? Thank you, Kevin. Euclid was a really good hitter. Uh, could do a lot of things, a lot of different kinds of things. I bet he loves watching Castellanos. How do you not? I mean, Castellanos is he's a, he's a, he's a gap hitter. He's a line drive hitter. He's a down-the-line hitter. He's just really, really good at doing that kind of thing. And now at 58 doubles, he's going to get to 60. It's a hit and run on 670, the score. Um, let's take a call, and then I'll get to what I, I mentioned I was going to get to, which is the major difference between the Cubs and the Cardinals. Um, and it occurred in the middle part of this most recent decade, if you ask me. But first, this is Bob in West Edgewater on the score. Hello, hey. Bob. How are you? All right, all right. I would say $217 million, and you might not make the playoffs, but one-third of the teams make the playoffs. That's Everybody, everybody, thing everybody has said, including you, 
is right. I mean, <laughs> I would say blow the team up, keep the guys you got to keep because of their contracts. You know, keep the corner, uh, you know, infielders. Keep Castellanos, move him to left field. Great mm-hmm. player. He, he, I tell you, I used to fear him when he would come up against the White Sox because I'm a White Sox fan. Mm-hmm. But this, this, you could say this is worse than '69, except for this team is not as good as the '69 team. Yeah, 2016 was better than the 69 Remember that time they won the World Series? It's all uh, it's all nuanced there, Bob. I hear you. I understand the frustration. Peter in Lamont wants to say that the Cubs are like what, Peter? What are they like? No, I don't know what they're like, but here's the deal with Kimbrell. Everyone knows uh-huh. he's throwing a fastball. It's almost like he was doing his Lee Smith, the Steve Garvey impersonation. It was absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. But here's the thing. Pedro Strope has cost the Cubs 11 games. That's the season right there. Madden, he's the anti-Dusty Baker. Let these starting pitchers pitch. Taking Wills out in the fifth inning because it was two outs and he just walked the guy, he's been doing that all year, and it's absolutely insane. The Cubs are like the 86 Bears, who should have been in the Super Bowl in 87 and 88. We should have been in the World Series in 17 and 18. Let's go like the New England Patriots. Get rid of Bryant, keep some guys, and keep bringing in the new guys. Thank you, Peter, for the call. Um, If they never win another title, it will go down in similar fashion to the 85 Bears. will feel similar. It already has felt that way to a lot of folks. The window is not yet done. Baseball is a different thing, a different sport, different kind of build, and different kind of uh, potential outcomes. Um, the Cubs, it, 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 the Bears never won another one because they never really were great at quarterback. I mean, Jimmy Mack was good, but not great. The Cubs need more. There's a, it's a lot harder, in my opinion, to build a winning baseball team than it is a winning football team with consistency. There's a lot more factors that go on in there. Let me tell you, here's how a window gets derailed, okay? Here's how a window gets derailed, or at least gets damaged. Let me say that, how it gets damaged. In 2015, the Cubs had definitively passed the Cardinals by. They beat them in a playoff series, went on to win the division the next year and the year after that. They had passed them by. It was clear. Finished ahead of them last year, too. But... Little did we know that right then, in 2015, when that was happening, we were in the middle of a five-year span in terms of the Major League Baseball draft that would impact things heavily over the course of the rest of the decade. Because as uh, we look at the draft for the years 2013 through 2017, right? You end up looking at you, you end up you end up looking at uh, a lot of players from the Cardinals who've ended up with that team, who have ended up with the Cardinals right now. And there's several guys who've been useful between 2013 and 2017, okay? For the Cubs, you know who's been useful. Chris Bryant, number one pick in 2013. Kyle Schwarber, number one pick in 2014. James Norwood, a seventh-round pick in 2014. 
Mark Zagunis, a third-round pick in 2014. Dylan Cease, a sixth-round pick in 2014. He gets a part of the Quintana deal. Zach Godley, a fifth-round pick for the Cubs in 2013. He ends up being a very useful starter for the Diamondbacks. Ian Happ, a first-round pick in 2015. All right, that's it from the batch. That means on this roster right now, you've got four guys. Bryant, Schwarber, Happ, and Norwood. Norwood is the pitcher from 2014. You've got four guys on this roster right now. Two on other teams. Total of six. For the Cardinals in those drafts, you ready? 2017, there's nobody yet. So we'll we'll spot them that. 2016, Dakota Hudson, their first rounder, stalwart in the rotation. Tommy Edmond, a sixth rounder. Big time help for them over the last two months. Playing third, playing all over the place. Andrew Kinzer, backup catcher on the roster. Helpful. Zach Gallen, who they ended up trading as part of the package to go to Miami for Marcel Ozuna. So useful, Zach Gallen. Very useful. He's on his third organization. He's looking like a good MLB pitcher. 2015, Harrison Bader, a third-round pick, starting center fielder. Paul DeYoung, a fourth-round pick, starting shortstop. Hit the second of those two homers yesterday. Ryan Helsley pitched well in relief for them on Friday, a fifth-round pick. Jordan Hicks who was their closer this year before blowing out his elbow. That's 2015. 2014, first rounder, Jack Flaherty. Absolute stud. One of the best pitchers in baseball in the second half of the year. First rounder for the Cardinals. Luke Weaver, another first round pitcher, was traded for Paul Goldschmidt. Big part of the Paul Goldschmidt trade. So that's useful. Daniel Ponce de Leon, a bullpen piece. 2013, Marco Gonzalez, a first-rounder MLB pitcher in Seattle, had a nice year for them this year. Oscar Mercado traded to Cleveland. He's a big part of what they do in the outfield. Luke Voigt, now a Yankee, of course, but they got Giovanni Gallegos, who's been their setup man for Voigt. That is nine players drafted between 2013 and 2016 alone that are on this Cardinals team and five on other teams. That's 14 total. And the five on other teams brought back guys like Ozuna, Goldschmidt, Gallegos, and Tyler O'Neill is who they got in the Gonzalez trade. That, my friends, is a massive, massive difference. The Cardinals know how to draft. They always have, and they still do. The Cubs have not restocked their own team with those guys. Some of those Cardinals picks that I mentioned are absolute studs and stars. Some of those Cardinals picks are merely useful pieces of a good team like Tommy Edmond. Some of them have ended up as trade pieces, whatever it is. You've given yourself assets that way and you've been able to use them. The Cubs have had to go chase bullpen pitchers. They've had to go chase positional depth have had to go chase and trade and pay for all the things that they don't have that the Cardinals have drafted and had cheaply. It's a massive, massive domino effect, let alone the effect of these guys' very presence on the rosters as they play right now. Cards are better at drafting. Big, big, big deal. And that's why Jason McLeod moved over to the Major League Club, and you will see big changes in scouting and development in the coming years. 670, the score is where you are. Matt Spiegel is who you're with.
Right now, let's give away to caller six at the contest line, 312-591-6700, a pair of sweet tickets to Monster Jam on Saturday, September 28th for the 7 p.m. show at the Allstate Arena, 312-591-6700. We'll check into the ballpark when we come back on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It is me, Matt Spiegel, here with you on Hit and Run. Let's check in over at Wrigley Field as we approach, as we approach, Cubs pregame at about 1245 or so with our man Zach Zayman leading up to Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer and one more at Wrigley this year. I I don't know if there'll be playoff games there this year or not. Cubs of late not playing like a team, frankly, that deserves to get there. It's uh, been an awkward, awkward final homestand here, especially the last three, as we bring in our friend Mark Gonzalez from the Chicago Tribune right now on the score. Hello, Gonzo. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm all right, man. So, you know, these 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 first three of this series, as they have a uh, – this is not uh, the brand of baseball that fans dreamed of seeing, but is it indicative of what this team has shown you for much of the year? I think so. I think that's fair. I mean, regardless of who's closing games, that's been an issue. You could point to health or the fact that Kimball didn't have a, a natural spring training. The bottom line is they didn't get it done, and I'm not just picking on the bullpen, but you, you start from the, the beginning of the season. They lost a lot of 1-1 games. Uh, it just seemed like things weren't in sync. You know, the starting pitching would have a speed bump, then they'd get it going, and then you'd have an injury or two or guys weren't pitching deep. And then the offense where um, you saw some guys have some good individual seasons, but um, the lack of clutch hitting, you know, reared its ugly head, especially uh, in these these last four losses. So um, it's almost been like the perfect storm, but – you know, they had a chance to take care of business, and they didn't do it for the second year in a row against the Brewers. And then I think that there was uh, maybe some false sense of uh, security that they were going to take care of business in the against the Cardinals based on the fact the Cardinals hadn't won in six games here, and the Cardinals hmm. find a way to steal three wins. So um, this is where you're at right now. Yeah, it's interesting. The false sense of security is something I hadn't really thought about. Like they, they, the past couple of months, knowing oh we got seven out of ten at the end of the year, like we'll still get a chance to do it. That little, that little bit of complacency, even that kind of feels emblematic of the past few years, doesn't it? Massive. I don't think it's a little. I think it's massive. And you know, I advocated last off season that they they break things up a little bit. You know, Theo even said, you know, performance over talent. They didn't do it. They they hitched their horses to this post and and this is what they got uh another another uh disappointing season and i gotta say disappointing because the standards are high here and rightfully so and the fact is they're not going to get it done again hmm. so if th- that that complacency what what do you do to combat that they've done everything else i mean, I mean they've done everything short of, of managerial change they've changed 
they've changed the coaches, they've changed the habits around. They've, uh, I mean, they haven't, you know, made a big change in terms of players within the core. So the, the two things they haven't done are change the manager and trade a player of of high value and consequence in trying to shake things up. Do you suspect we'll see both of those things? Well, let me run this by you. How many pitching coaches, how many hitting coaches they had the last three years, and what has happened? Yeah, three hitting coaches and three pitching coaches. And where are you at right now? Same place. So whose fault is it? Uh, you go higher, right? Hey, th- thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's same. well, you also go to the, the, the guys you're working with, and some of them, you know, Theo said it before, you know, every, every player has a different, uh, you know, ascend. And some guys have to have plateaus. Some guys have stagnated. So, therefore, you got to address the issues and proceed accordingly. Now, on the flip side, they're going to say, um, you know, you're not going to get, you know, what you think the guy's worth. Well, sometimes you got to cut your losses, or sometimes you got to rely heavily on your scouts to find that guy who uh, maybe can scratch the surface here rather than where he's playing at right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, I detailed in the last segment, Gonzo, the drafting um, failures, especially between 2013 and 2017, as opposed to the Cardinals, who, uh, you know, just drafted one after another, guys who are useful either here or as trade pieces, and, and, and the Cubs have not. So they're going to address that, right? I mean, the, the move of Jason McLeod is the beginning of, of addressing that. Uh, we'll see some hires, I would assume, in scouting and development. Yes, I think so, and I think there's been some movement and player development in terms of uh, changing some some instructors down there. At least, uh, and at least one, I think one pitching coach has been let go down there. I don't know what what level it is, but um, there's there's got to be a change because whatever's been been going on the last few years hasn't been working as you address with the draft. Yeah, you know when Jed Hoyer said that they've been too conservative in drafting um, in drafting pitching, and I, I don't know what that means. Whether that means they have uh, not gone for guys who have great stuff but are scary. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what that means. Do you? Yeah, I do. And 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 Jason alluded to it earlier this season about having a having a guy that had to check off all these boxes. Sometimes you might go for that one guy who's got a really really good tool and forget the fact that he's maybe five eleven or so. And I think they addressed that with Ryan Jensen, their first round pick out of Fresno State, who really ascended and might be a guy that helps him down the road rather than, you know, settle on a guy with, with, with the perfect mechanics and, and everything else that goes with it, maybe tops out at 91, 92. I think they're shying away from that. And that's a step in the right direction. But let's face it, the Cardinals are loaded with, with young pitchers, just absolutely loaded. And, and this is something this organization has lacked, that that, that quality major league ready pitching depth. So um, um, this, is, this is just one, one area where they got to improve. Um, I know you spoke with Ben Zobrist, uh, and Ben talked about a, a lot of stuff before the game today. I had, I had been thinking that this September return was a nice opportunity for him to put a bow on his career uh, on his terms, as opposed to having to deal with everything he had to deal with uh, over the past three and a half, four months. But it sounds like he might not, might not be done. Yeah, that's the kind of the, the uh, uh, indication we are giving, given from him now. Unfortunately, in baseball, there seems to be this unwritten rule where guys, if they reach a certain age where it's 34, 35, they're phased out, even though they have more in the tank because teams opt to go with younger, cheaper players. I still think there's plenty in the tank for Ben if you use them right the way Joe did in the last month. And I think not only that, 
but he can really help young players grow uh, as players. You know, I think you, some of these guys actually watch Ben and see how he approaches the bats, and, and they benefited from it. I think Ben Zobrist adds a lot to to a team, not just when he's in the batter's box or playing second base. Yeah, so you you think that'll be here, or is it is it hard to imagine him him here? I think it's hard to imagine him here unless he. You know, unless Joe's back and you know, we can all debate about that right now, but um, he has to be used right. And then you look look at it and say, well, how many games is he going to give you? Uh, can he play more than just second base? We all know about versatility in baseball. Um, so it's, it's got to be the perfect, perfect spot for him. So that's that's going to be the issue. All right. So, so yeah, I mean, you mentioned Joe. There's, it, it, if it is the end and it's um, – it is set up to not be a firing if it is the end. It's set up for a, a, a peaceful, uh, fond, uh, conscious uncoupling, if you will, Gwyneth. Um, it's, it's, set up, it's set up to be that way if they want to do it. There's, the Padres job just opened up. There's a bunch of good ones out there. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Joe, um, Joe will have his pick if, if that indeed is what happens. He's, he's going to be mentioned in quite a few places. I thought that Philadelphia – if they make a change, there would be a nice landing spot for him. You know, he he could sell tickets there. He's managed he's managed egos before. He could, he could he could be okay there. Um, and he, I think he thrives on on managing in the East. He did it with a raise and going up against the bullies like the Yankees and Red Sox. And there you'd be going up against the likes of the Nationals and, and Braves. And, and and so there's a nice there's a nice. Uh, opportunity if it if it opens up there for him but Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think he's going to have his his, going to be mentioned but you got to find the right fit too and maybe the the guy who's calling the shots doesn't think he's the guy there's a lot of balls in play on this Mm. Uh, but do you think the conscious uncoupling is where we're headed mark gonzo if you is your gut yeah yeah i'm just curious to see what happens if this happens and and how joe's kid uh responds and making a comeback on twitter (laughs) <laughs> you know it's um it, this bullpen what he's been handed has been very incomplete and very weird and he's had to be perfect to make it work and he has not been perfect most managers are not but it, it's just uh, what he's been handed is very difficult and it's like seldom am i the guy to say well that was Kimbrel's spot and that was his job and but you know what I did. I have no. I can't fault Joe for not going to Rowan Wick yesterday. He's got a healthy forty-three million dollar Hall of Fame closer. That's his job yesterday, right? Yeah, it reminds me a lot of what Bochy went through in San Francisco in two thousand sixteen, especially in Game Four of uh, that 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 series against the Cubs, where everything Bruce did uh, backfired and exploded, and it just. I think Joe's going through the same thing this season with that, and you know, you just can't can't. Uh, judge a guy based on on wh- what he's had to work with in that, that in that regard. I know, yeah, he's made some he's made his share of mistakes. We all know that, but on the whole, it's just been a, a, a cross your fingers type situation, especially with the the lack of power arms he had to work with uh, at the start of the season. Now, guys like Rowan Wick have ascended very well, but for the most part, um, these, they've had to rely a lot on, on guys pitching the contact and hitting the ball on the ground. Yeah, um, it, yesterday with Kimbrel, I, I didn't think I didn't think the first pitch was a bad pitch. Really, it is ninety seven. It's up above the zone, but Molina knows what to do and just pop that one up into the wind, doesn't he? Yeah, that one. I mean, it was. I give him a lot of credit because 
God, I, I watched the replay again this morning, and I thought, man, he, he had to know something because that that pitch was was close to unhittable. But at least the way you know you're looking for him to go down, and he goes high, and poof, he hit it out. I just I give Moline a lot of credit for that one. Yeah, did did they know something? I mean, but then the second one is is almost the same exact spot except a little bit lower. So that's yeah. that, that, that's not good. But then it's, it's it's center cut. It's center cut fastball. Exactly, and you pay the price there. You know, the funny thing is now with baseball, you know, guys are using all quadrants of the strike zone. So a lot of guys now are using that that high part of the strike zone to their advantage. But Molina just did a great job of of locating it and turning on it. What do we think about Kimbrel's future? It's so difficult to figure out what is is his decay. What is the lack of spring training and the three month delay? Um, I mean, I, 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 don't, I have no idea uh, whether to, to be able to figure out whether he's going to return to some kind of form next year because this is brutal with the homers. Yeah, it's, it's quite the mystery. And the fact that, you know, he's still throwing you know, a few ticks above league average, but everybody's throwing hard now. So, um, you know, and he's got the curve. But, you know, it just seemed like his command's been lost since, since joining this team. And then you factor in the – the two bouts on the IL injuries, and, and you have the perfect storm here. But the home runs have been very alarming, especially for the the, the, the lack of innings pitched. So, um, you know, they're going to spin it by saying, oh, he didn't have a nat- natural season because, you know, he didn't sign until June 5th or whatever it was. But this is a big off season for him and for the Cubs because they need to get some mileage out of him. You know, there's nothing worse than, than – uh, not being a contender and having an expensive closer. They need him to, to go back to his all-star form so they can win games. Cause you know, you look at the losses in Pittsburgh and, and Philly. And then, you know, yesterday, those are big swing games. And if you win those, then, Hey, you're still in contention. Hey, if there's home playoff games, um, then, then these guys will get a chance again. But if not farewell to Gary Pressy today, which has gotten a lot of press. And we talked to him yesterday, uh, 33 years, but I didn't realize Bruce Miles is uh, is stepping away. Is a full retirement or a semi retirement? I mean, that's that's one of the greats at what you do, Mark. Bruce is a terrific sure. guy. Yeah, he's a terrific guy. I've been lucky to know him for more than twenty five years. He sits next to me, puts up with me, puts up with me at home games, <laughs> and uh, he's just been uh, a great friend since he joined the Cubs beat. And I was covering the Giants back when the Dead Sea was sick, and uh, just a great resource, great father, great husband. Um, he's going to be sorely missed around baseball because guys always respected him for his professionalism and just his friendliness. But, you know, good for Bruce. He earned it. And now he can go watch his, his daughter swim and family where she does a great job. That's awesome. All right. Well, good for Bruce Miles of the Daily Herald. Wonderful guy. Gonzo, so are you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. You got it. It's Mark Gonzalez of the Chicago Tribune. The bottom of the hour was brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Northwestern Football at Ryan Field this fall when the Wildcats, led by Big Ten Coach of the Year Pat Fitzgerald, host Ohio State, Iowa, Purdue, and Minnesota in Big Ten play. Single-game tickets to see Chicago's Big Ten team are on sale now at nusports.com. And this segment is brought to you by Subway. Subway restaurants feature a different six-inch sub for three seventy-nine dollars every day. Subway, make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extra Extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Um, I am not embarrassed for having one week ago been slapped with one final dose of baseball optimism. It got to me. 
the length of the season, the fact that the game is built on hope, the fact that the Cubs were fortunate enough to have seven games with the Cardinals left and have their own destiny, their own fate in their own hands. They had one final stretch to show up at their best and get it done. And it is a massive disappointment to a lot of people that they have not. It's a very, very difficult game. There's a lot of uh, bad luck that went on yesterday as well. I mentioned the Molina home run on a very good pitch. 12% was the hit probability of that one when it came off the bat, according to uh, MLB StatCast. But it got up in the wind and just went and went and went. And that's Wrigley in the wind, baby. That's what it is. There were other plays. Luck went their way as well. The balk call against Gallegos, followed by the Tony Kemp pinch hit home run. There's, uh, it's been a lot of weird bounces, and a lot of them have gone against the Cubs, but they've also exposed themselves over time as simply not good enough. Disappointing. The window's not over. Hell, the season's not over. Three games back with seven to go. They can, they, they, yeah, no, I don't think so. But, uh, you know, maybe. We'll see. You Darvish goes today. Every game is game seven. They have, what, eight games, seven left. Actually, seven games, seven left to go. Thank you to Chris Dickens for hopping on the board over this last 40 minutes or so. Thank you to Zach Withers for doing a great job. Thank you to my guests, Mark Gonzalez from The Trib, uh, Mike Farron from uh, MLB Network Radio, Bernie Williams was on the show in the 11 o'clock hour, and Chris Kampka with Camp Connections. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm at Matt Spiegel 670 if you want to find me on the Twitters. And elsewhere, have a great day, everybody. Cubs baseball is coming up next with my man, Zach Zabeman, right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.